that idea of the normal celebrity only exists for a certain period of time, they work, 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 make their bank and then dip Hollywood forever has transformed into influencers where you're only gonna be popular for as long as society deems that you're popular and then you're gonna be irrelevant. And so you need to pump out, you need to work, you need to hustle, you need to make as much money because one day you could lose all of this and you could lose everything. What a horrible way to live your life instead of thinking this is sustainable, this is going to be my life. You're listening to the Living Adventures podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Ashley Milkey and Victoria Vance. Tune in for a new episode every Thursday to hear our honest conversations about topics like freedom, creativity, spirituality, luxury living, health and wellness, and above all else, build a community. We have real and unfiltered conversations inspired by our search to feel connected to people who give a shit about us, support our dreams, and understand our struggles. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to navigate any moment in your life with the lens of your neurodivergent mind, with a community who gets you. Adventure on. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Living Adventures podcast. It's your host here, Ashley Milky, with your other host, Victoria Vance. And we are so excited to talk to you today about a topic that has been racking our brains all about how influencing isn't a sustainable business model. We're gonna break down what a sustainable business model is, what can you do if you're a content creator and you're looking for new streams of income, how you can be fulfilled and financed, and a lot of other really good, exciting things. Yeah, let's get into it. What's really interesting is I was doing research on influencers and I saw they did some study or survey where they asked people between 18 and 30 something how many of them wish want to become or aspire to be influencers and make money that way. And I believe it was 87% of people said that they would wanna be an influencer. So the demand is there. When I was in college, Influencing was in its very beginning, it's in its infancy. And I did a presentation for Target on a brand strategy that they could use or a marketing strategy and Target executives came and we like did presentations for them. And I pitched influencing. I said they should get with YouTubers and social media people to promote a Target line, use this hashtag. And they said, this is exactly the path we have been talking about going down. We are just now starting to take on this idea of influencers. And so isn't that so wild? They were just beginning to do influencing. And I mean, what was that 2014, 2015? That influencing had existed since then, but big brands were just starting to take it on. And now what's even more interesting is some people are predicting that the influencing system is going to break and that it can't last. And I know we've talked about in previous ep episodes, de-influencing. I don't think de-influencing is the right word because it's not de-influencing. It's helping you understand your consumption better. True. Yeah, because right now de-influencing is just telling people products that they don't want to buy versus what we should actually do is tell people how to understand their consumption habits. Yeah, because that's all that we need to really focus on. And it's not necessarily, oh, don't buy this product because it's bad. Like, that's just, you're just reviewing a fucking product and that's fine. But don't call it de-influencing. You're just giving a bad review on a product True. of a product that was shit from beginning but then was just hyped because it looked good and fit an aesthetic that was created by most influencers. 
And you know what's interesting that you say that because YouTubers who do beauty reviews, they initially had both top 10 products I love, 10 products I would never use in my life. This is not a new concept to say products that you or would never use. Or empties I'm not purchasing again or empties I am purchasing again. Not de-influencing, not the crumbling of the influencing system. I personally don't think influencing will ever crumble. We just said it's been existing since the Stone Ages. People will continue to be convinced to, to buy things by people. What I do think is interesting is when you research this idea that the influencer system will crumble, all of the advice is for businesses and what businesses should do to better their experiences using influencers, how they can best use influencers, what they can do instead of influencers, and there is no advice for the content creators that I could find in an immediate Google search. And so this is why I think this topic of creating sustainable models for influencers is very important because there are so many people who aspire to be influencers. There are so many current influencers who are not living sustainably and we're gonna talk about what that means, but they're setting themselves up to crash and burn into the ground and live a life of dissatisfaction that's ruled by these brands, that's controlled by this volatile environment where they don't have control until they do build a sustainable model where they do have control. You know, I feel like when we say the word, I want to be an influencer, it's similar to when we grew up and us saying, I want to be a YouTuber or I want to be famous. Yeah. Because influencer, I think the average person will then think about the clean girl aesthetic and buying products and doing this, where that's not the only type of influencing that can exist. You can just influence ideas and influence whatever. And maybe it's design, maybe it's blah, blah, blah. And there's always going to be influencers no matter what. You cannot cancel it all. You cannot stop it all. And that's why that doesn't really work because when we think about, okay, what do we want 80% of people want to be influencer. What does that really mean? What do those 80% people want to do True. by influencing? And I'm going to guess the average is that kind of aesthetic thing or makeup or be an Alex Earl and everything, which one, now you're just chasing something that you're probably never going to get, but also two, not something that you don't really understand. And I would argue something you don't truly want because I yeah. can think back to when I was in high school and I wanted to be a YouTuber and it was doing beauty reviews and buying products and all of those things. I didn't actually want that. I don't actually want that now. I don't want to review products. I don't care about products. I learned through working in marketing and sales that one of the things I absolutely hated about marketing was selling things to people that they didn't need and that didn't actually benefit their life. That was my biggest pet peeve in some of the companies that I worked for. I hated it. I had no passion for it. And I feel as though a lot of people end up in that space when they think they wanna be influencers and they realize they're selling things they don't actually like and they hate it. And they're in this funnel that they get stuck in when you're right. An influencer can be a thought leader in an industry. Think about that guy who I made that TikTok about, Simon Sinek or something like that, who wrote the book, Find Your Why. He's an influencer. He's a thought leader. For Since 2009, he had a TED Talk that he told people how to find their purpose. And now people look up to him and how to find their purpose. A lot of people don't like him on TikTok, which I love that because I also don't like him. But he's a thought leader. He's an influencer. 
And you're right, there's so many different definitions of influencers. And I think when we get into building a sustainable business model for influencers, people who do desire to be content creators will see all the ways they can have influence that align with their passions, that actually fulfill them, that set them up for a life that kind of resembles what we've talked about over these past couple of months that we've been living, where we have our own version of success. We do what we want. We enjoy our lives. We're both financed and fulfilled. We could be more financed always, but you know, we're most definitely fulfilled in our lives. Okay, so now let's dive into what a sustainable business model is. We're gonna get into the logistics of it so we all understand the criteria and then we can talk about why influencing isn't. So according to Harvard Business School, sustainability refers to a business it refers to doing business without negatively impacting the environment, community, or society as a whole. Some other definitions include people instead of community. Some other definitions also include profit. For example, some people say the three P's of business sustainability are people, profit, and planet. And I think a lot of times when we think of, at least in my experience from business school, sustainability, people are often talking about your environmental impact, your impact on the community you're doing business in. But it's important, I believe, for influencers to focus on themselves and their team and also their community, but their digital community, you know? Yeah, because we need to understand that community is not just the people that is you're surrounded by. It is online, but also it is still you exporting out into the community. And we just kind of have a disconnect on that thought sometimes. It's true. And an example of a big company, and then we can talk about influencers, but big companies think about world-long sustainability. So I, when I think of a company and its impact, especially if we think Fortune 500, not small businesses, when they think sustainability, they're, how can this business last longer than my life, last the length of the earth? How can I make sure this business doesn't harm the earth so it can endure living in this earth and not hurt it? And how can this last within the community it's in? So for example, Patagonia's mission is build the best product, cause no unnecessary harm, use business to protect, protect nature and to not be bound by convention. So they're really thinking about the world. And I think it's important to think about the world, but I think for small business owners, influencers, solopreneurs, the first place we have to start is our lifelong sustainability. How can I make this business last the length of my life? How can I make sure it doesn't cause me harm, my online community harm, like Victoria just said? How can I be innovative within it? And that is really the model for sustainability, at least online. And I think that's a really important because when you first quit a nine to five is then everyone will say, okay, quit my nine to five only to work 24 seven. And that's not sustainable for the rest of your life. No. But we act like it has to be that way. Yeah. So I guess that leads us into the top reasons why influencing isn't sustainable. And we can break it down by these categories of environment, community, society, profit, and people. And I think with what you just said, the first place to talk about is people. Influencing is not sustainable for people, for individuals, especially for what Victoria said, if you're living in a burnout model where you're working 24 seven, where you have high expectations for yourself, even if you think about you start to add on team members to your influencing community or as a content creator or small business owner, how can you make a business sustainable for those people? What are some reasons you think it's not sustainable for those people. I think 
your worth ethic needs to change and your ideas need to change about how what's expected. And so expectations need to change because I know that when I hired somebody, I had to say to myself, look, I understand I expect so much from myself. The average person does, but I cannot expect that level upon anybody else because that's unreasonable. But because I had an unreasonable expectation of myself, still way too unexpected, that I wasn't sure what to give them. And that's always going to be a learning game. But I feel that now I have a lot more understanding of what I can expect and what is maybe too much or too, not necessarily too little. Sometimes there's just not going to be as much. And I think having comfort in that because you're not always go, 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 go. And that's okay. But we feel something's wrong if that's the case. Yeah, I feel what's really interesting in what you said is your high expectations of yourself set you up for failure, but also it made it difficult when you had team members because you weren't sure the level you could expect of them. And what's really interesting about that is that's something you were concerned about versus I don't think companies, like big companies, think about that at all. I don't think when they're thinking about their impact on people, they're thinking about their team. I thinking, I believe they're thinking worldwide and they're not thinking, oh, what's the level of work that I'm expecting from this person? They kind of just have a baseline because businesses have existed in nine to fives for a long time and they just run with it. But part of being sustainable is starting to question these different models and systems we've created for ourselves. So if we pull this back into your experience or the small business owner experience or the influencer experience, you have to take a direct look at how you are impacting yourself, what you are expecting of yourself, what you're demanding of yourself. And the reason why influencing cannot remain sustainable is because you're taking these brands who are nine to fives and have these high expectations. Like I just mentioned, it is the way it is. We always expect this level of work. And now you're taking this influencer who maybe just got out of that experience, just got out of a nine to five, is still expecting a high level of production from themselves. And you're pairing them together. The brand pays the influencer. They expect a lot out of the influencer. The influencer delivers because that's how they think it has to be. That is not sustainable. I even think of how I got a brand deal in my inbox the other day. They were only going to pay $200. They wanted five photos, a TikTok video, unlimited access to use my profile for advertisement. That's a lot of deliverables, not sustainable. And I also think in the summer how a lot of influencer stuff was coming out about how much people were getting paid. And then somebody would say, I had this influencer and they're getting paid $50,000 and they didn't show up to set today because they have a headache. And then everyone in the comments is saying, oh, I'll be there in two seconds if you pay me $20,000. I would never do that to you. I would never do that to you. And yes, we don't know the whole situation and that's like a very minute version of this. But that's something to kind of question is even if no matter the money, yes, that $50,000 is a lot of money to the average person. And that is okay if you still think $50,000 is a lot, but inside of business, $50,000 isn't that much, especially when they're already at that level. If they have $50,000 to pay one person, trust me, $50,000 isn't that much for them. True, and 
in that situation, yes, it might have been a bad influencer who had a hangover and was being irresponsible, but it could have been someone taking care of their mental health and knew that if they showed up that day, it wouldn't be good. It could have been even more serious than a headache and they were it underplaying depression. It could have been a migraine depression. and they're trying, whatever. We have yeah, no idea. We have no idea, but you're right. It's the same as when I worked as a hostess and I knew I was going to make like, let's say 70 bucks if I went to work, but I had a headache and I knew I could get someone to cover my shift. I'm not going to work. 70, it's just $70. That's how the money looks to certain influencers at a certain level of business. $50,000 is equivalent to $70, that kind of thing. So that's not a good way, but it is to say this is not a sustainable way because the way we treat people inside of the influencer space is not great. The fact that brands put in their contracts that they might not pay an influencer until 90 days after they deliver a finished product is absolutely ridiculous to me. I think of myself as a business owner and if you want to get a session with me for coaching, you need to pay me first. We're not we're not waiting 90 days after I deliver the coaching for you to figure out if you want to pay me. And it's really unfortunate because a lot of these brands have the legal power to do whatever they want. They have the status to really reject people who want to negotiate contracts and so you're talking about an industry that's not for influencers influencers are a participant but they don't have control they're not running the system so when we talk about sustainable it's truly not for the influencer maybe for the business sure but not for the influencer yeah because they don't have any control and it's always going to be that way and even if it's okay they don't get paid for 90 days there's so many brands that won't even pay for over a year there's so yeah. many instances I've seen that. I know somebody in Boston who didn't get paid for over six months. Mm-hmm. And, and so then everyone's saying, okay, you need to have con clauses in your contract and everything. And that's putting so much on the user. And in that instance, it's kind of worse than freelance, in my opinion. Because I know in a lot of freelance work that happens, but freelance work, at least the stuff that I know, is it's not always with that high of companies True. on the most part. But they'll have better things as a, if you're at that scale as a freelancer, you're going to have more backup to you to fight for that money. True. And I believe that's the reason why over the past year, we've seen the rise of user generated content content and user generated content, just fun marketing lesson, because I love marketing facts and I studied this user generated content was not what it always was today. User generated content simply means a user of a product created content and now you're going to use it. Brands didn't have to pay for that before. Brands just got it for free off the internet. And this was a great strategy that we talked about in college. College. But what's happened is people have turned this phrase user generated content into basically a method of video production. And so user generated content as a way for people to not influence, not deal with that BS, but basically freelance video production for these different companies and for smaller companies who didn't have $50,000 to shell out. And I believe even that is more sustainable than being an influencer, although I don't believe it's fulfilling a lot of people in the way they thought they would get fulfilled. I still, pe I still believe people get underpaid for user-generated content because they think of themselves as a UGC creator instead of a video production studio, which is quite literally what many of these people are. They're video production and ad produ production teams. And I just... Oh, it makes me so mad when people just get stuck in the influencing realm instead of seeing all of the things that they could become in a really sustainable way. Yeah. Yeah, man. 
So I guess that's the main gripe I would say we have about influencing. But if we look at profit in terms of sustainability, influencing profit is not sustainable for the ways that we just mentioned, not getting paid for years at a time, for months at a time, having unpredictable income. That is just a part of business at some point. But do you... I, is it sustainable to rely on brands to bring you money? I don't know. That's what do you think? I guess that is a larger discussion. Well, because we see a lot online, the more you do paid content things and collabs that you, your audience will get mad. So, And yes. so it, it, it interrupts your community You're and so profit right. at the same time. Right. At the same time, you're negatively impacting your community and your profit because your community is losing trust in you because of the rapid promotion of products. And your profit is declining because if you want to stay sustainable within your community, you can only say yes to so many brand deals. That's the fact. Or raise your prices to continue to increase profit. But then we get into this conversation about how much will brands pay you, blah, blah, blah. And it's actually interesting because I, I didn't think about this till now. But I'm thinking of some small Boston people that I know and how many times I'm seeing them do paid stuff. I'm getting annoyed and I'm not in love with their content to begin with, but just because they're in the Boston scene, I follow them, like whatever. But then compared to, let's say, Victoria Paris, she does the free people stuff and she does a bunch of, she's kind of moved just away from influencing and doing paid collabs on her page. To then she does the, she was in a Nike ad or whatever. She does ad campaigns, but that's not necessarily on her page, which I think is a good place to get into. But also when you get bigger, then you're like, okay, I can charge more. I can charge $50,000 for one video. So maybe you only have to do one video per month. Whereas a smaller person who's only charging $200 a post, it's going to feel like every other, which is more likely to interrupt their community experience. Yeah. Of the people online. What is wild to me is that there's no discrepancy between the amount of followers and the amount of money that you can make. Someone who has 2 million followers can make $200 on a post. Someone with 10,000 followers can make $50,000 on a post. And it truly comes down to their negotiation skills, their perceived value, the alignment with the brand, all of those things. But that's truly insane to me. And another reason why this is just like not the space I would personally want to be in with influencing. I have this content creator that I follow. She has more than 2 million followers. And she often complains about the influencing industry and how she is unable to get a brand deal because she doesn't have the editorial content that brands are looking for. She's fast paced and moving and more comedic and it's hard for her to find her place with a brand. And I think that's a really interesting problem that she's running into. And for me, I personally wonder, are you looking for the right brand deals? Because obviously there's people who would enjoy a comedian talking about their products or the other problem that makes it unsustainable is we're trying to follow this cookie cutter method of, yeah, I need a Mac deal. I need a, a tart deal. I need a whatever, ever air one deal, whatever well, everyone else feel is doing. There's like we said, there's certain, there's different types of influencers is everyone tries to follow the lifestyle influencer path line, yes. even though they're not in that at all. And oh so gosh. they get frustrated yeah. If you're the comedic one, that's not the route you should go in at all. But you know they try to, so they make money because that's all they see as an option. 
You know, it's really interesting. So if you don't know this about me, I studied micro celebrity strategies in grad school, which is basically how you become famous among a niche group of people. So for example, the comedian we're talking about, she's famous among her audience. Two million followers love her for being a comedian, not a lifestyle influencer. So the way she attracts brands is going to be different. But when I was selling micro celebrity, makeover the program that I did I broke down kind of like archetypes I don't know where it is one day I'll find it but I broke down archetypes because there are different kind of micro celebrities there's storyteller micro celebrities there's lifestyle micro celebrities there's comedic micro celebrities there's micro celebrities who solely do behind the scenes things I have business owners that I've worked with who are not Maybe they have 600 followers, but they know every single follower in their community. They've talked to every single one of them and they are famous among them because of those relationships that they've built. Maybe it's called the relational micro celebrity, but I don't think enough of us take that into to account. Like you're saying, when we're seeking out brand deals, when we're seeking out different ways of making money, and I wonder if influencers knew what their archetype was beyond a lifestyle influencer, if that could better make their business model sustainable with brand deals and beyond. For example, if we take the model of your comedian or your content is comedic, what kind of brands align with someone who's funny or vulgar or whatever? Maybe it's, I don't know, vibrators or uh, comedy clubs or worldwide tours where you're going out and doing your comedy and that's what or people pay for. Or doing a dating app or something and There's do comedy so, around that or... Yeah so many other things and I think because even us when we were thinking okay I should do that that's a great way for making more money is I said to you I said okay so I have to start buying things so that those companies will reach out to me and paying and then I was like but I don't like things I'm not somebody who gets influenced I have been that way for a long time and that's because I am secure in myself and whatever I don't like having a lot of things I'm not really a materialistic person. I love my things. Don't get me wrong. I love mm. my soft blanket. I love my cup. I think that's great. But I don't need a hundred cups. cups yeah. I do not need four different types of vacuums. I do not need the Dyson vacuum because Dysons don't clean at all. True. I. Why am I buying things just to get that? And that's one, being inauthentic. Two, spending money where I don't want to spend it. And three, just trying to become somebody I'm not where what could I have done? Okay, I didn't like any of the ADHD stuff. I one wanted to slightly move away from some of the ADHD stuff. So I was very confused. And the answer for me really just wasn't going down that pipeline and doing so something completely different. And that's okay, but we need to figure out what that pipeline is. It's true. And what's interesting is this whole conversation is how influencing as an industry and as a business model has impacted society. As a society, we've seen one way to be largely successful as an influencer by sharing your life. And it's made us believe these certain things like we need to consume products to get noticed by brands. And you're right, I'm the same way. We have the same epiphany really where I said, I look around at my desk and yes, if Lunum Love reached out to me and said they want to partner with me and send me free candles and I'll promote them all the time, I promote them all the time anyway. If Hoka reached out to me for sure, but- yeah, Hoka reaches out to me, guys, just, just so you know, this is a pre, pre thing. Hoka yeah, will. Hoka will reach Hoka out will. to me and yes, I will do a partnership with them. And that's not going to be anything you don't suspect because you see me wear those on a daily you fucking basis. You see me wear Hoka's. I have the hiking shoes. 
you are not going to be surprised. And I don't even care if you're going to buy, but I do expect you to say, I'm so proud of you for going and getting that. That's all I expect. Yeah. And I'm just going to be happy. I don't care. I don't even need to get paid. I'd be so happy just to have a shoe with them. (laughs) That is the one gifted product I would accept. I will take a gifted Hoka shoe. Yeah. Uh, but what's interesting is society has really set us up with these limiting beliefs that you need to start taking these smaller brand deals in order to get big brand deals. And that belief was busted for me even recently because for the first time I had a brand that I actually used reach out to me. It was Squatty Potty. They didn't want to pay me enough, but Squatty Potty. I love my Squatty Potty. I would sell my Squatty Potty all day long. Do I want to make video content about Squatty Potties? No. Actually, no, I do not. But we get stuck in these limiting beliefs and that makes things unsustainable because we create glass ceilings for ourselves. And I also think it's interesting, the idea that a lot of influencers overconsume to get the brand deal that they want, which really impacts the environment, which is another part of sustainability. We're overconsuming to make money or in the idea that we'll one day make money. Even influencers who are very successful. Their PR packages are not sustainable for the environment. The amount of boxes that they get are not sustainable for the environment. So basically in all the five ways that a business needs to be sustainable, environment, community, society, profit, and people, the influencer industry does not meet those as a business model solely on its own. As an income stream, maybe as an income stream, but as a business model where that is your sole focus and growth method, nah. I also generally just have a question for all influencers who have a ton of PR packages. Are y'all so tired of taking out the trash? Like, that's a genuine question. I would be burnt out from the amount of trash you have to take out. That's true. And boxes you have to... Break down. Collapse and whatever. I mean, Bo would have a fucking field day. That man loves tearing apart every box that I have. And I love it because it makes me not have to take the the recycling out as much because he just shreds it all up and then you put it in the thing and it lasts a lot longer. But if I had 10 boxes, I see people coming home and they're like, I haven't checked my mail in two weeks and they have 15, 20 boxes. Y'all, that's going to stress me out. I really agree. I really agree. Now you have and, to stop, film all of it and everything, say, oh, thank you so much, blah, 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 blah. That one, that is work. It's two, it's really annoying work. And then three, now you have to take out all the fucking trash? Nah. Nah. That is not sustainable. That's not good for the environment. That's not good for your mental health, your people, your you, the person. Um, so that's a pretty good description of why the influencer industry is not sustainable as a business model, which leads us into... The fact that influencers know this, content creators know this, and you see when content gets, content creators get to the level where brand deals are not enough, affiliate marketing where they're using links and making commission off the links that they share is not enough, and the subscriptions they might get or tips they might get from lives or YouTube or Twitch or whatever are just not enough. And you see this pivot in an influencer's career or content creator's career where they realize they can directly monetize their own audience and they cut out the middleman. And this is where two things happen. A content creator will create merchandise or they will create a product company. Those are the two paths that I see. Let's break down some of the good, the meh, and the ugly of the product journey. What I'll say briefly about merch is a lot of times when content creators or successful influencers go down the route of merch, usually they're using a third-party company still that is doing all of the work for them. It's hosted on a website that hosts other content creators' websites. And 
I don't know where you saw this, but I know, Victoria, you've mentioned it's usually not very profitable. So, yeah, I watched a video of an influencer, basically, on YouTube breaking down how much she makes for merch on a product launch that does really technically successful breaking down why she chose print on demand versus other of these companies and what the cost breakdown would have been for her. And basically on a successful launch, she made $2,000, which yes, $2,000 is nice to, you know, just make without having to do a lot of extra work. And they're not expecting it to be a main source of income for the most. It's just going to be, when you get to this level is you're going to get comfortable with saying like, okay, I have five to seven streams of income and so sure maybe i have four income streams that bring in each two thousand dollars a month totally. but you want to make the some of them have less work versus more work and so the merch one is going to be less work especially if you do one that does the marketing for you and everything there are a few who do that versus print on demand you're still going to do your marketing you're going to make a little bit more uh but depending on the state and whatever and how you do it it can be different and it also depends on how high you mark up your product that is very true and i think it's important to note that this is and then we also have the i guess the third or maybe fourth option which we've been seeing lately is people creating their own clothing brands as merch but it, it is merch but then they're doing it all locally sourced which great that's sustainable and everything making it all in the u.s let's say because we see a lot of it in the u.s but the price is so high and then people aren't willing to pay that or their audience isn't geared up for that. True. And it's the same as any launch. You have to prepare your audience for the thing that you're about to sell. And we'll show many examples of that failing for different influencers. But you're right. They do treat merch as a product. Well, what's interesting to me is I don't really buy merch from influencers personally. I know some people do when they're obsessed with them. And I've seen influencers lately do a much better job of not just putting their face on things. I think in the YouTube era, it was very much put your face on a shirt and people bought it. And now it's more so what's my favorite saying? I'm going to wear the favorite saying of my favorite influencer. But again, that's a good income stream. Just like brand deals are a good income stream, but once again, not the most sustainable way to go, which leads a lot of people to starting these product companies. And let's dive into the good product examples that I found, and I'm excited to share these with you, Victoria. So one, I think one of my favorites, I have two favorites that I'm gonna mention and the other ones are good. My favorite influencer company is Emma Chamberlain's Coffee Company. I am obsessed with anyone who goes out and gets venture capital for their company and gets investors to help them build their company to be very successful. Emma Chamberlain and her Series A funding got $7 million. And personally, I feel like she took this very seriously when she started it. I believe because she had the $7 million that helped her have a really good PR strategy. She was covered in Forbes and all of these news outlets. and. It made sense for her brand, not just in the fact that she's like, oh, I love coffee, so I made a coffee company. But her community was consistently asking her, where do I get coffee like you get in LA, in Missouri? How can I have coffee like you? I wish I had coffee like you. So it wasn't just she created this company. The demand was there. The community base was there. And in articles that I've read about her, this was something that she had dreamed about doing since she was a little girl. This was not just some random, oh, this makes sense for my brand kind of move. She took it very seriously. It's even in Air One now, which is like a luxury grocery store in LA. So 
I love this for her. I wasn't surprised by that one. Well, I mean, I don't really follow her, keep up with her. Me but either. when I did look into her a teeny bit, because I was like, okay, why is there this coffee brand that everyone's freaking out over? It did make a lot of sense. Yeah, and it made a lot of sense, and I think it does really well. I don't know what their revenue is, but I think it did really well. And I will say, that's a product that I haven't seen that much. Think of Kim Kardashian, I guess. Maybe you're going to explain some of this. The beauty, because it's lifestyle. But Kim yeah. K Beauty or Skims or whatever is the amount of PR packages that they're sending out to mm. specific people, and they're obviously pretty big names. But hers, she didn't do that. That yeah. she might have done some. She I'm did not some. 100%. But it wasn't as absurd as you often see in most influencers releasing mm-hmm. products, which I found very interesting because it was very authentic. It wasn't surprising. She didn't, though she does promote it very hard, like very hard, it wasn't excessive. True. And forced, I guess. Yes. When you mentioned Kim K., I think the other thing was, I don't know of any other influencers who dove into coffee. I, it's always beauty brands, makeup brands, lifestyle brands, because they're all trying to be the lifestyle influencer. And yes, coffee is part of lifestyle, but that was the first time I saw an influencer go the coffee route. And I'm sure others had before, but this was the first one that I noticed that really made an impact in the way she did. And I think a lot of them we used to see, okay, maybe they have their coffee get added to a menu for at Starbucks for a certain time. But we hadn't seen somebody create a brand of coffee and products for you to make at home all the time to have the stuff that she's having and have such a large variety. It's so true. Yeah. Now, the second influencer is not one that I've heard of, but I am now obsessed. Her name is Freddie Herrero, I believe. Harold, Freddie Harrell, if I might have gotten that wrong. But she's an influencer who has about 173 followers on Instagram. I'm not sure about her other platforms. Wait, but 173 she, or 173,000? 173,000. My bad. I'm reading notes. <laughs> like, okay. 173,000. Micro, influencer. Micro, no, she's macro. But she created a hair, like a high quality wig and hair extension company called Radswan. And she raised $2 million from an all-female pool of venture capitalists and did a ton of PR and press for it. And it's this Black-owned business company for Black women to get quality hair products. And that was another one where it felt like it just made so much sense. It tied into the content she was creating. It tied into her mission of her life and her business. And it was like this whole feeling of purpose came together, at least in the articles that I read, to make this company that has a bigger mission. Hmm, interesting. I yeah. like that. I love that one. And I feel like all these ones we're about to talk about are really what influencers aspire to be and then it just goes really wrong. The other really, this one's really well known and some people might not even know she was an influencer first, but Huda Katan of Huda, Huda Beauty, she quit her finance job to become a makeup artist and a blogger. And she was shopping with her sister one day and they couldn't find good eyelashes. So her and her sister pulled some money together. I think it was like $6,000 and they started a fake eyelash, their own brand of fake eyelashes. Um, and now they do, they have 140 different products and they do 200 million in annual sales sales. And I don't even really think she's an influencer anymore. I mean, I'm sure she is to sell products, but 
she feels like someone who's more behind the scenes of her business and let her business take off without her face if you look at the products of her company it's not with her face on it it's not yes it's her name but it's not her full name and you might not even know that's a person's name kind of thing so I think it really worked out well for her to separate her identity from the brand yeah I because I I've known the brand I've seen it through for throughout YouTube for so long when we were growing up but I didn't know that was somebody's name me either I didn't know that that she was a blogger that she was an influencer on social media first I think that's really a great example um the last one which is just with I think we're getting a good touch of all the different kinds of industries. We got hair, we got beauty, we got coffee. Uh, Mr. Beast Burger by Mr. Beast is another one. They do a hundred million in annual revenue. Did you know there's a Mr. Beast Burger in Boston? No. Is that a restaurant? It's a a fast food. It's like a Shake Shack. Where is it? I don't know. I can get it on Uber Eats. I always see Mr. Beast Burger and I'm like, is that really Mr. Beast? And when I did my research, yeah, it's Mr. Beast. He owns a bunch of chains. He sells burgers. And I'm sure his reason it was successful was because he did a YouTube video on it on opening a Mr. Beast Burger and it felt like a joke, but it's actually a real store that he owns now. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that existed. Okay, interesting. Which is wild. He does a hundred million in annual revenue. If you talk about a passive, obviously it's, it's not passive, but it's passive for him because I'm sure he's not involved in day to day operation of all these stores. What a side hustle! What like once started, it's full pass. It's ninety nine percent passive him. for him. Yeah, a hundred million he just makes while he does his YouTube videos because he started a burger store. Like I mean, he makes millions. These are the businesses that do well for influencers and that people aspire to be. When an influencer thinks, I'm going to start a company, they think of Emma Chamberlain, they think of Huda Beauty, they think of these people who did it right. And then we get into the meh. I only have two examples of meh because I believe there's more, but I think most influencer brands are meh. I know, Victoria, you also talked about, like, tell us about how you feel about influencer brands. I know you mentioned that you would buy from them less often because of it. I personally, as somebody who is not easily influenced, if you tell me like, oh, uh, Kim Kardashian is on this product, I am more likely to not buy that and buy something else if that's a product I already needed. Just because in my, and this is from the generation that we grew up in, that products that they made or were part of or whatever were just absolutely shit. And it's just another way for them to make money, which is fine. But that's not something I'm going to go sort out. It's not going to not going to be something that I'm going to buy. It's not. I know it's a way to support them and everything. But most influencers, I'm not really here to support you on like a day to day basis. I don't really care. Consume their content. It's true. So I am less likely to buy a product if I know it's part of something. Well, I think what shaped our opinion of influencer products, too, is if we think about Jaclyn Hill social media YouTuber, does makeup, launched Jaclyn Hill product line. And then she had the huge scandal about all the lipsticks being moldy and full of hair. And that quite literally ruined her reputation and probably a lot of reputations for other influencers who wanted to start products. I also think of Well, think of Kylie, wasn't Kylie lipstick, what, what lip kit, whatever, wasn't that shit? Yeah, yeah, in the beginning, I think And she then had people issues. were like, oh, it's literally just ColourPop. Remember, yeah. that was, this is aging me. Not like that much, but holy shit. 
is it's just ColourPop. Just buy ColourPop. But then everyone was mad because ColourPop could, you could only buy online. I remember that. Yeah. Or even I think of influencers who've had many products. I don't know all the products of Tana Mojo, but I know that she did a perfume. I think she did panties at one point. Now she has a wine called Dizzy. And it's not that these things aren't successful for them. They sell out. She sold out of all of her Dizzy wine in the last launch, I'm pretty sure. But they're doing so many that it makes you lose trust in the same way with brand deals that it makes you lose trust. It's kind of like the Kendall Jenner alcohol. I would never buy that. True. Yeah. Right? Because you're like, "Mm." but some people do because they're obsessed with her. And so if you can build that cult following, sure, you can have a whatever product, but We'll get into why it needs to make more sense. Um, Two other examples I have of meh product lines is Addison Rae launched Item Beauty in 2020 with a beauty incubator called Made by Collective, which is a sister company of Ipsy. And it was a Sephora exclusive for the past three years, two and a half. Um, Right? Never heard of it. Never heard of this. Never heard. I have never have. I have never had Addison Ray pop up on my for you page. To be honest, uh, but also never heard of it until I did this research. I only one time did it, and it was because there was like controversy going around with her parents, oh, and somebody dad. was just talking about that, and that was in like last year at like yeah. this time. That's the only time it, something about her, but she never popped up. Yeah, it was just the well. Story. Get this. Now, she just announced in 2023 she's taking a hiatus from the brand and. Here's the quote. She's going to reimagine my journey in beauty to make sure it reflects who I am today. AKA, she just launched a product to launch a product and she's over it. It's really the vibe that I get because this is what the influencers do. They launch a product because somebody told them they should have a product. They know they need to expand their income, but it's not the right one. I feel like it, I don't know if it doesn't happen as much anymore, but you know, when we were growing up, let's say singers and whatever, we would see Lady Gaga have another perfume at Target. Ariana Grande have a perfume Jennifer at Target. Jennifer Aniston. Rihanna have a, a blah, blah, blah. And it's, I feel like it was that, and they were still going off of that trend. And so, obviously, Addison Rae is pretty big and whatever. And so, they just kind of took into that same field and did that same stuff for a while. And now people are kind of switching gears, but a lot of the times, it's still giving off that vibe. It's true, and I don't think... It just feels like they go in with this idea of let me slap my face on something and it'll work out instead of what we talked about with those first four examples of companies. Those are going to be lifelong, lifelong for that influencer. Those can last beyond. Chamberlain Coffee can last beyond her. She can sell that company. She can sell that whole company and it would make money without her face on it because Chamberlain Coffee doesn't have Emma Chamberlain's face on it. Now, to be fair, Item Beauty didn't have Addison Rae's face on it. It had its own branding. But she was backing it and now she's over it because it wasn't something that she thought of building in a sustainable way. Yeah. Um, Okay, the other thing, and this is the last one, and this is going to be the case study we use at the end, is Chris Olson, who is known for a lot of things. He's known for talking about therapy. He was known for the couple he was in with um, Ian. I don't remember Ian's last name. But he's also friends with Megan Trainer. You may know him. He's, He's famous on TikTok for a lot of reasons. He recently launched a coffee brand of his own, which again, it's in pre-sale. There's not a lot of articles about it. I don't know if he got funding for it, but he launched it. I think it's called Flight Fuel. He launched it because he's known for taking coffee to celebrities across the country, across the world. That feels like another one where I'm like, 
is this really what we should be doing? And we'll talk about that later, but that is another Met example. I feel a lot of these are just, I wonder if they're doing it and it's their idea and they're like, oh, I've made it now, right? Because Addison Wright, she's big. She's yeah, made, she's made it movies. in a height, right? And popularity sense of made it, whether it's money-wise or fulfillment-wise, whatever. In the public eye, she has. Is then it's her idea or whose ideas are they doing of, oh, you need to go do that pro- like product and everything. Right. I wonder I know what is pushing that. I honestly think it could be their management because if I think of Tana Mojo, and I used to watch her YouTube videos and her vlogs, a lot of the things that she was launching, whether it was the perfume, the panties, whatever, were driven because her manager told her this was a good idea. Her manager told her that this would be the next project that they would work on. Even if you've watched um, Charlie D'Amelio, Dixie D'Amelio, they have their TV show. There's meetings they've filmed with their managers where their managers are like, this is what's up next for you. This is your next project. This is what you're doing. So it could be that these people are being influenced themselves by their own teams and the business people in their lives to give them direction in a direction that is really built by old standards of society of what fulfillment looks like, what success looks like, instead of getting to the root of the person and being sustainable in a people-focused way. Yeah, and sustainable in what like they have built and whatever they have done and just doing other things to just make money and just build it like and it's the sense that oh you're only gonna be big for a short amount of time so let's just throw out as much everything so we yeah. can make as, make much, as much and then and you'll, you can just disappear and you yes. can do whatever you want because you'll have the money for it it's Yes, and it's the Hollywood pattern, the Hollywood idea that you'll only be the scarlet, you'll only be the number one girl for a short period of time in your prime, and you're only going to exist in your prime. And that idea of the normal celebrity only exists for a certain period of time, they work, 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 make their bank, and then dip Hollywood forever, you're right, has transformed into influencers where you're only going to be popular for as long as society deems that you're popular and then you're going to be irrelevant and so you need to pump out you need to work you need to hustle you need to make as much money because one day you could lose all of this and you could lose everything what a horrible way to live your life and instead of thinking this is sustainable this is going to be my life and because now since cycles and trends happen so much faster I wonder if some managers are pushing even harder on it because they're like, you have even shorter amount of time. It's not two to three years. You're going to have like five months. And so let's just push out, pump out as much as we can. Yeah. And then you can think about it when you have some time and you're no longer relevant. And then we multiply this short cycle trend, this Hollywood threat of your prime. Then you multiply it by cancel culture and the threat of being canceled. So they're worried they're not going to be in their prime. They're going to run out of the trend cycle and that they could be canceled at any minute. So they need to scarf down the product, the money, the whatever is handed to them to pump it out to their community to get the income so they can retire and dip safely if they were to ever be canceled. Instead of thinking this is a lifelong thing that I will last and exist through. Mm-hmm. Horrible. And they don't take the time to do that. And maybe, one, it's because, one, not everyone should be an influencer. Two, not everyone should be in the public eye. And then people just happen to get it. And so then things kind of happen. But I'm thinking Chrissy Teigen got canceled, right? And, or is it Tegan? Whatever. Teigen, is I, I think, I think 
it, everyone was pronouncing it wrong the whole time. I, that came out a few lot. But she had a product line of cooking stuff with Target. Mm. When she got canceled, didn't that get taken away? Yeah. And because so it's a brand that's deal. That's a money source that's just mm. taken to you by publicity, kind of. True, because... Because cancel culture is just publicity, kind of, Yeah, it's in just a way. bad PR. Uh, no, that makes a lot of sense because if you have a brand deal and that's your main source of income with Target, you get canceled, Target takes it away, then people think, okay, well, let me create my own product because I can't cancel my own product, but then what if people don't buy my product because I get canceled? So I need to pump, 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 work, 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 work. I'm going to do this for 10 years and just keep going. Instead of thinking... Like, why are you thinking you're going to get canceled? That's the real question I have to ask people. Because if I got canceled, there's no reason it would make sense. Because I'm so firm in my values. I know I, I'm here for the benefit of the world and society. And so there's no canceling you can't overcome in your authenticity. Even the worst people have been canceled. And they have come back. Think of Jeffree Star who got canceled for racist comments and being a bad person and saying shit. He just made a comeback on, on TikTok Two weeks ago because he said, oh, you want the bitch is back because Michaela had all this drama about Mascara Gate and how mas- she lied about using mascara and the length of the lashes. And then Jeffree Star made a comeback. There's no canceling. You can't survive if you live in your authenticity, even if you're a horrible person. I think, And there's also different levels of cancel culture. You know, there's you get completely deplatformed and severe canceling. And Twitter takes away your account and TikTok doesn't let you post. What what's that guy? Andrew Tate can't post on TikTok. Okay. So that's let's say he's actually canceled, right? He's deplatformed. That is true actual cancel culture. And then there's a lot of these mini instances where it's really fucked up because, okay, the Chrissy Teigen stuff, I don't even remember what she was canceled for, but I think it was she was being really mean to people and she maybe she was saying racist stuff, whatever. I, I don't fully know. But then, you know, they take some time off away, think about what they do, and then they just slowly come back and start doing things as normal and people hate them a bit for first and then everyone just forgets about it because there's so much that happens in this world that people can't forget about it. And it's also... Every single person in this world has done something that you don't like. I have done bad things in my fucking life. I've, I, when I was seven years old, I stole duct tape. Guess what? Wow. We do things. Everyone does things. <laughs> Everyone makes mistakes. And you need to be able to hold two truths in two things and one time in your hands. That somebody can do something bad, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the worst person in the world and that they need to die and they need to get platformed and blah, 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 blah. In the same, and, in the same as an influencer, you can't look at your life as any moment. Everything could be taken away from you. That's actually subconscious work. If you are an influencer, content creator, small business owner who believes at any moment the rug will be taken out from you, your money will be lost, your income streams will be lost, your fame will be taken away, your brand deals, whatever, that is subconscious programming that you picked up in childhood that you were not safe and at any minute your needs and resources would be taken away and I encourage you to do a deep dive on your inner child and figure out where they picked that up from I used to feel that way too I had to do a lot of work on that on the idea that the rug could be taken out from me at any minute it's scary to live that way but it perpetuates the cycle that you're not safe as an influencer and you need to hustle and grind and take whatever you can to survive while you're able to And we can take Emma Chamberlain as an example of this once again, when she this summer had the Arc Digest thing about her house and then people being like, 
Emma's not relatable anymore. Guys, no shit she's not relatable to you. She's rich. She has like a $3 million house. That's not relatable to the average person her age. And that's okay. Yeah. Not everybody needs to be relatable to you in every single fashion of your life. Mm -hmm. And... The reason she's sustainable in it is, okay, she's still all about the coffee. She, I, don't, I actually don't know what she does. But, like, she does the home design and everything. And I remember, I think that's what she's always wanted to do and stuff like that. And so it makes sense for her to do that. And you're watching that happen in real time. It doesn't, you don't need to cancel her for buying this house or whatever that's a lot more money than you might ever make. Because... That's just what she's been able to do. She built that life for her and she's allowed to enjoy that. And you're allowed to be annoyed by that. And you're allowed to want that as well. And you're allowed to go try and get that for yourself. What was the point I was trying to make? Oh, but like she wasn't really canceled for that. But she was pretend canceled for it. Yeah. I would love to sit down with Emma Chamberlain and take the purpose cycle model that we talked about last week. And just ask her. I just want to like analyze her decisions that she's made in her life and apply it to the purpose cycle. How she went from a YouTuber to her coffee business to speaking on red carpets and all the little intuition moments that she had to follow to get there. I Fascinating. I would love to talk to her about that. I think it would be really fascinating. And it's people, the thinking in the public eye is people are allowed to grow and change. And yes, some people don't change. I mean, I guess we can mention, like, Tinks. That's somebody who, it, it's just not great. And she keeps getting it's, canceled, and she keeps and coming she back, keeps, and it's fine. And she's still fine. She's still making money. I mean, maybe she's not. Who knows? You don't know what's happening behind the scenes at all times. It doesn't matter. But I guess we can get to the case study. Yeah. I have one more of the worst okay. example I could find of a bad product launch. I mean, we've talked about getting canceled sounds pretty horrible, too. Uh, but there is a girl named Ari. Her name's Ariana Renee, full name. She has 2.7 million Instagram followers. And she tried to launch a clothing line called Era. She needed. She told her audience, I need to sell 20, or 36 items to continue the line and invest in it further. And she didn't sell enough. And she had to close it. And it was like this really embarrassing moment for her. It made a bunch of headlines about how she couldn't even sell 36 shirts when she had 2 million followers. Really bad. Really bad times. Well, your community is not built well. If you can't, if you have 2.5 million and you can't, and you can't sell, 36. sell just 36, that's it? Yeah, that's it. She had to sell 36. And she made it a point. Like, I need to sell 36. And she she literally made a post about, I didn't have the support I thought I was going to have. I thought I was going to have way more support. People who said they supported me didn't even share my stuff. Blah, 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 blah. It was a whole thing. See, that's, that's when I think that people need a reality check on their community and what they've built. Truly. That's what a true reality check sign is. Yeah. And that is a great um, segue into what they should do instead. So Victoria and I have created, there's really three steps that influencers should be taking to create a sustainable business model for themselves that fulfills them and finances their life. And the first thing that Victoria brought up was influencers, content creators, and business owners, because we're all really playing in the same digital space at this point, need to ditch this relatable narrative when in it, and it's in an effort to people please. Like Victoria just said, you do not need to be relatable. Your mission on this life is not to be a relatable person. 
especially when you're doing it to make other people happy. When you're relatable because that's truly who you are or that's what you're experiencing in your life, sure. But when you're trying to stay relatable or stay small so you don't offend people in your community, that's a big boo-boo no-no. And it's truly, you can see it in other people. Like Emma Chamberlain is still a relatable human. She still does things that you do every single day. Celebrities. I bet you. They're just like us. you know, a piece of ice drops out of a ice dispenser on a fridge, I bet she too would kick it under the fridge. But that doesn't mean she's not allowed to own X million dollar house. Or go on red carpets. Or like say no to being on a billboard, you know? Um, Because that's not relatable. Because you're not on a billboard. You're right. <laughs> and you're not on fine. the red carpet. And and you can be fond. Like let's say if somebody did follow Emma Chamberlain from the beginning... You can be fond of those times when it was a really small community and maybe you did feel closer to her and you enjoyed that experience. That's okay. But know that it's okay that she grew and things change and you need to change as your audience grows. Mm -hmm. And you need to behave in such, but also you need, like they're changing themselves, not necessarily in a bad way, maybe sometimes in a bad way, but they're going to grow as a person and they're doing that online. And so there's going to be things you do and you don't like. That's just the thing of life. That's like well, having a friendship. Ashley can change and do things that I don't like. And that's okay. That doesn't mean I have to hate her. Yeah, we can still be friends. I won't do things you don't like, though. Don't worry. Maybe like, no. Anyways, uh, I think the issue comes it, in. It's just. It, it doesn't, like, Ashley could go want to start performing in a musical. I don't want to do that, and I don't really care, but I'm going to oh. remain interested in that because she loves that. Right. I could want to go be a- an actress on a TV show one day. That would be cool. I would do that. And I'm going to be up. here to support you. Like, cool, Ashley, that's great. And I- I'm here to listen to all the stories, but I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, I'm relatable. feeling right now. You'll be my pleasure. She's on the right carpet. Uh, yeah. yeah. But the, I do believe the problem comes in when creators make themselves small to stay relatable. So if we think of them and they're thinking of these new income streams and they don't want to just make money from brand deals, but they're so afraid of stepping on the toes of their audience that they keep themselves in these tiny, tiny boxes instead of going after what they truly want because they're afraid that it's going to disconnect them from their audience somehow. And I think because there's so much that happens online and so much so fast, it's, such a common small instance of this is saying that somebody copied you in whatever and this idea. There's so much content online. Yes, maybe sometimes some people could have seen a video and copied it and not tagged them or whatever, but there's also so much online that maybe that's not even showing up on their feed. True. And And it's okay for two people to come to the same thing on their own accord. Right. And that just goes back into cancel culture of influencers are so afraid of making mistakes. Some, not all of them, but in creators that they are, here's signs that you're trying to be relatable in an effort to people, please. You're constantly apologizing as a creator for the work that you create, the people that you make upset, 
the comments that go off. You're constantly trying to do your best for your audience, but not in a way that lights you up and makes you happy, but in a way where you're almost seeking approval and you're keeping yourself small so they don't feel like you've grown too big. When in reality, if you've gone from like, 100,000 followers to 5 million, you are big now. So you need to act big and treat yourself as big. You did that. You built an audience that loves you, that supports you, and they will support you in your growth. And if they don't support you in your growth, more people will. And you can change more to who authentically you are and develop that. But there's still some components of you that can stay and that's okay. But if you're constantly apologizing and living in that and trying to be like, no, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. No, it, it, it's fine. One of my favorite lessons, and I think I learned this from my dad, and this is mostly because if you talk to him and he wasn't in the mood to talk, he would ignore you, which is probably a bad thing. But not every comment inspires or requires a response. Not every comment requires a response. Even if, even, and I know, it, this goes against so much marketing knowledge and social media guru tips on TikTok where they're saying, reply to every comment so you can boost your engagement in the algorithm. Not every comment needs a response. It's a mean comment, ignore it. If someone's mad at you, ignore it. I posted about that there's a girl who cried because she didn't get invited to her friend's Super Bowl party. I told her some advice on how to find friendships. If you need to find friends as an adult, listen to episode one of our podcast. And then someone commented, if she's crying on the internet about this, don't you think that it makes sense that her friends don't like her if she's dramatic in this way? And I don't need to respond no, to that. I fucking that cried. Yeah, maybe not on the internet, but I fucking cried from terrible friendships. And just because you're doing it on the internet, like, that's a relatable thing, and a lot of people can relate to that. And she's a creator with thousands and tens of thousands of followers who are following her for her life. This is the way the internet works, but I don't need to respond to that comment. And we don't need to respond to every comment that we get. And the problem with many influencers is they get overwhelmed that they're making people upset, especially when they're getting an influx of tags of people saying they need to respond to this comment. Your community is not your boss. And if you're trying to be relatable and letting your community get to the place where they're bossing you around and demanding content from you, we get back into this idea of that is not sustainable. So that, like we mentioned, the first place to start if you want to make a sustainable influence make a sustainable business model as a creator, you need to stop people pleasing and letting your audience demand what path you take. And it's also you get to choose the response because, you know, maybe somebody asked me on a video because I do have a lot of ADHD content. I still make a lot of ADHD content is like some ADHD study tips. Maybe I don't want to make a video about that. Maybe instead I'm down to reply to them or maybe I'll say, oh, maybe follow this person. She has a lot of that stuff because I don't want to make that content and that's okay. Just because somebody's asking you and there feels like there's demand to reply to that doesn't mean that's true demand. You get to choose the demand you want to reply to and is created. Totally. And then I guess that leads us to the second step is once you realize you don't have to people please and you can create your own path and you start to deconstruct societal standards as a creator, you have to define where you're at, where you wanna be, and what you wanna do with your time. AKA, use the purpose cycle that we talked about in last week where you're assessing your reality, you're expanding what avenues are possible for you in both life and business, you're releasing any BS that holds you back and you're taking action on that. And, I, and releasing shame around maybe some old narratives 
And I mean, I don't know if you want to bring him up yet, but yeah, we can dive it in. Chris is a great example. Chris of this Olsen, with a yeah. lot of the content he makes. Yeah. So if we think about Chris Olsen and the first step of he doesn't try to people please in his audience, and he still is relatable. I don't see Chris making content because people demand content from him. I don't see him apologizing for being himself, but he is relatable. Victoria mentioned this in our conversation earlier. He's made video about videos about how he has chlamydia, about how he's sober and has gone to rehab. He openly talks about how he goes to therapy. He even shows videos of him being funny in his calls with his therapist, but that's relatable. He's doing everyday things but he's not a relatable person. He went to the Grammys. He hangs out with Megan Trainer every day. He takes coffees to celebrities. How does he know these celebrities that he's taking coffee to? But still, he's one of the most relatable people on the internet. And Or like, I remember a video from, maybe it's not him and maybe this is just somebody else, but him on a red carpet and then he's asked somebody a question and like, you can clearly see that he just like didn't hear him and like walks away and ignores him. But you know, that's relatable because you get that in your everyday life. I bet you've asked somebody a question at a grocery store and they didn't realize maybe you're talking, you're talking to them or like they're in their head and they just walk away from you. Is like, that's relatable and it's funny. Yeah. And Victoria mentioned earlier releasing shame. I think the reason why he's able to be relatable without people pleasing is because he's released it seemingly a lot of shame around who he is. He does not feel bad for who he is. He does not feel bad for the life he's lived. He's not gonna let anyone bully him into being someone he's not, again, on the outside from what we can perceive. Right, and talking about his journey to become sober, how hard that was for his family, the intervention, a lot of that stuff, dating, breaking up on, not publicly on TV, but having a public breakup and dealing with that and how to do that how to understand, how to take care of yourself during that. And he's done that very well, as well as, you know, therapy online. Okay, that is very relatable. A lot of, you know, it's a huge trend right now. Go to therapy, work on your trauma, blah, 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 and dating. And he's doing that. And there's so many areas of his life that's relatable. It doesn't matter that there's parts that aren't. Yeah. I agree. And so, and then if we even think about his public breakup and use the purpose cycle, he went, he was very much well known for a couple TikTok videos before him and Ian broke up. And there was a time after him and Ian broke up that he had to assess what his content was, what he wanted it to be, where it could go, what was going to become of him as a creator. And then he had to expand to figure out what other avenues of content he could do. And he came up with so many of the great ones that we've even just mentioned. The ones that we have mentioned did not even exist before a couple TikTok era. Those came after when he assessed what was going on and he got these new ideas. But before he could take action on any of those, he really did have to release all of the grief that he had about that relationship of old dreams he had of what that content could have became of that style of content and then he could take action on those things and I think he did a great job of that but where we run into okay what's next for him how can he do influencing better he needs to get to the place where he's both fulfilled and financed and I'm not saying this man is not financed he is probably making so much money from brand deals and working with Megan Trainer and all of those different things but it does beg the question, is he fulfilled in his life right now? And is he excited? Not excited, I would say, but fulfilled by the way he's making income. Yeah, especially now with this new flight fuel, right? That's what it's called. Though it can look on brand, it also doesn't feel it. 
It, yes, I think that's an important thing to think about when content creators go into creating products. It can be on brand without feeling on brand. It can be on brand without being the right next move. It can make sense without being the right thing. And I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of these products that we've talked about for influencers or content creators, it makes sense. Chris flies all over the country delivering coffee to people. Okay, let's create a coffee brand that's called Flight Fuel because I deliver coffee to people. It makes sense. But is it authentic? I don't know. I don't know him well enough. I don't know him well enough to know that he drinks coffee all the time. In the videos, it's usually other people drinking coffee. So something can make sense while also seeming inauthentic to an influencer when they're getting into products. And if I, I think Victoria had a really good idea for him. And instead of a coffee brand, it should have been like the world's greatest travel mug where he would take it from New York to LA and say, this lasts the longest, keeps it the hottest, keeps it the coldest, all of those things. Like proof and everything. So if you drop it on your flight, you're good. Or if it rolls down a few aisles. And I think that could have been possibly a better decision. We'll see though. Maybe it, it may, who knows? Maybe, maybe that does fit well right for now. his brand. Uh, but I, I think, looked, is it just like beans he's selling or is it like ground beans? Stuff? I don't know. I don't know enough. Um, but what I will say is when they are creating these products, influencers, when they're creating products, you made a great point to say, even if flight fuel isn't his next big thing, it's a great source of passive income. But the problem is, is it sustainable? Because I'm sure when Addison Rae created her beauty company or her beauty brand, it was a great idea and it made sense. But it wasn't sustainable. She already got, went on a hiatus. And that's the problem. You want passive income that's going to last a long time. I think Chamberlain Coffee is set up to do that. And I do know, based on the articles that I read, that Emma Chamberlain is very involved in that company. And... I think instead of looking for passive income, why wouldn't you as an influencer want to look for something you want to be involved with? It doesn't have to be a product company. I think about me and you, we're, watch, we're launching, like, yes, we have our own merch, but we're launching Living Adventures Collective because what lights us up is building community and helping people build sustainable businesses without burnout. That lights us up. We don't need to sell a product to fulfill our purpose and to build an income that's sustainable for us lifelong. And I think that's where influencers get stuck. And, you know, it's okay if you mess up at first, right? And I don't know if Emma Chamberlain ever did a product kind of thing before her coffee that maybe wasn't. I, did, we haven't, I don't know if you looked into that, but I don't know. it's okay if this doesn't work out and it's not sustainable, but it's making sure that you remain in that purpose cycle and check in with that and see how that's doing and kind of like Addison Ray, where she's like, actually, I don't know if this is right for me. And it's okay to do that. And it's scary to do that in the public eye. And I think, yeah. you know, we realize our businesses were it for sustainability for the long run. But yeah. now we feel like we've gotten more on path. And for right now, we are setting up for that. Maybe in the future, we one, because we're using the purpose cycle, we're going to constantly reevaluate that. And it's okay if it changes and everything. A lot of parts of it, I know, will stay the same. But that's also my vision of it right now. And that's because I don't know what life is like in six months. That's so true. Ah, I love that. And so they need to stay in the model to check it in. And it's okay if this product fails, but he needs to pick it back up and see what's better and what went wrong and 
what wasn't engaged, like that person who the 2.6 million couldn't even sell 36 thing shirts yeah she needs to go into the cycle and assess okay whoa i was really wrong about my audience why am i wrong what actually needs to be going on how are they not even engaged mm-hmm. and what would be something i want that they want to support it's so true and i love the idea that Chris can have this flight fuel company and it can work or it can not work and there's no shame. And I'm sure he's, it feels like he's good at not having shame around things. There's no shame if it doesn't work or become the big thing he thought it would be because we're constantly redefining our purpose. And I think the problem with influencers is they don't live in a cycle of purpose and maybe they don't even live in their purpose at all and they feel like they can't live in their purpose because they've gotten so caught up in just creating content and that's become their life. And it really begs them to assess what is going on. Do you enjoy creating content in the way you're creating it? What's the thing you wish you could always do? Why don't you think you can do that thing? The big hard questions that you have to ask yourself after you build a business and you thought it was it. I mean, so many influencers think they've made it. And it's really scary after you feel like you've made it to say, "Uh uh-oh, what if this isn't it? Because it feels like starting over. And I think a lot of influencers have a fear because I had that fear around starting over once you've become so established, but there's so much freedom in just doing what you're passionate about and being fulfilled in your life and in the way you make money that it's really worth it. And it's hard to see that it's worth it when you're at the top of a hill and you're about to jump down to a bottom to decide to restart and do something new. But that's where the future of a sustainable business lies is in that constant assessment and that openness to starting over in an effort to last longer yeah and the true sustainable model is going in that cycle and checking in and we'll see if he does that i mean we've seen him do that and that's why he has been sustainable and has grown to that and so we'll see how that goes yeah good job chris olson you living in the purpose cycle good job cheers to him if you're an influencer or content creator or a business owner who's struggling to find your purpose or you feel like you've made it and you've started to hit what feels like a wall in your income and your growth and your passion and your fulfillment, we definitely resonate with that. And feel free to connect with me or Victoria, DM us about your experience and we can see how we might relate to you in those ways. Um, I think this, I even mentioned at the beginning of the episode how I thought I made it and then everything came tumbling down and now I really do feel like I'm on my way to something even better. Because I feel so fulfilled in my life, nothing, not that it doesn't matter in business, but I don't feel as impacted as things happen in my business. And it's kind of something that we talked about a little bit before, which is, you know, when you reach that level of transcendence and whatever, and you know that like you are always a vibrant person and you're happy inside, I'm fulfilled. And yes, things might come and might depress that for a little bit, but it's okay, I can come back up and other circumstances and things in my life only will impact me for a short time. I have a larger percent chance on choosing my happiness and overall thing is when we can do that is you can go through that cycle a lot easier in your business because you're not going to be as personally impacted and feel as much shame if you do tear it down. It's true. and Or change. And where content creators and influencers or people who build a public 
business or image around themselves struggle is in that they struggle to differentiate who they are versus who their business is or who what their influencing is or what their platform is so when they do get a comment that feels like an attack on them that's bad when they do make a big decision and it's to change their business they feel like they're changing themselves and it's attack on themselves when in reality your mission as an influencer business owner content creator is to separate yourself from your business and recognize that it's an outside entity that's entire job is to make your life better and to fuel your life in addition to improving the lives of your customers yada 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 but it's a tool for you it's a tool for you to be financed and fulfilled that is the hashtag of the day hashtag fulfilled and financed and until you can differentiate yourself and your thoughts from your business, you're going to very much struggle to get to a place where you are fulfilled and financed. Yes, agree. Any final thoughts, Victoria? Detach yourself from reality. No, detach yourself from things that happen and everything around you so that you can live in your purpose and who you are and what you want to be and you're allowed to change and do whatever in public you're allowed to change as you change and things change and circumstances change and get comfortable with not necessarily constant change like every single day but big change is allowed to happen and get comfortable with that don't feel stuck in one path forever yeah because truly living a sustainable life and a sustainable business model is all about living in purpose where you are constantly assessing what's going on, what's possible for you, and where you want to move next. And there's no shame in if that move is up or down or sideways or left or right. No one can determine your next move and only you will know that right path. But the more you understand that path for yourself and your business, the easier it will be to make decisions and live a lasting career for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, that's it for us. Uh, make sure you give us a rating and leave a review of this episode. Let us know your biggest aha moment or takeaway. Connect with us on the LAC Instagram and TikTok and all of those things. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.